everybody. We are back with the delicious duo, Lindsey Brown and <laughs> Chris Shepard. Did I just make a t-shirt? <laughs> I think so. Um, so excited to have y'all with us today. We have a lot to cover. Like Chris, you just said we could do a four-hour segment, which maybe we'll just have to have y'all back. <laughs> um, so we were just, we left off the last 15 minutes talking a little bit about um, all that kind of Chris has given to the Houston community, which it's, I think, very, sin- what's the word I'm looking for? Is this where Neil comes in? He always gives me the word I'm looking for because I usually haven't had enough coffee. Um, but the synergy that you two have, because Lindsay, when you were with the CVB for 10, ten years, years um, and I mean, I've heard this in conversation, I kind of feel this way and, you know, I know you're not going to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. Um, but you're kind of single-handedly responsible for, like, Houston's food scene in the press. I don't think that's the case, mm-hmm. necessarily, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people... I mean, like, you had a huge piece. Was it the Wall Street Journal that came out when you were with the CBB? Mm-hmm. Um, and the New York Times. Mm. I mean, it was kind of the first yeah. time we were seeing Houston in national media. Houston food. Yeah, I think it was... I think it was just sort of one of those perfect situations where we had people like Chris and Randy and Monica mm-hmm. that were starting to elevate it individually. And then in my position, I could sort of see the big picture that if we just pulled everyone together, they're stronger. Right. And so, I mean, that's that's exactly what we did. We, we called Chris, Randy, Monica, and Brian... <laughs> Because the four of them at the time were... This is Brian Caswell, Monica, Monica Pope, Pope, Randy, Randy Evans. Evans. And you, Chris, you and Randy went to culinary school together? Sat down the first day together. That is so cool. They I have an anniversary. That. July 10th, oh, 1995. Y'all do? <laughs> That's sweet. It's very sweet. <laughs> I love that. What's Randy up to now? He is the... What's his title? Restaurant Development for HEB. Yeah. That is cool. That's lives right. Out in the hill he country. That's, yeah. that's not so bad. No. no, he basically lives in a vacation home in a vacation yeah. town. Yeah. Spends time with his family Living and just does. Dream. You know, yeah, it's great. He's doing. And great. works for a cool grocery store. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, really good people. Well, so you could, but let's. I mean, and give yourself a little credit here. We had you had a vision for sort of. What I mean, so I to be. I sort of bring them all into a room and said, "I think we're onto something. I don't know what it is, but let's explore." And in true chef fashion, they're completely <laughs> ignoring me. It's normal. And just talking to each other about, uh-huh. oh, have you eaten at this new Indian place? Oh, I just tried this new place in Chinatown. <laughs> you know, and then I'm thinking to myself, I promote the city for a living and I've never heard of any of these places. Right. So maybe that's it. Right. And so that's when we started the Where the Chefs Eat Houston Culinary Tours. Okay. And that, for me, as a PR professional, gave me even more fodder to send to the national media saying, you know, these chefs are essentially donating their time. We gave them a little bit of right. a stipend, but a stint, yeah. Not now that forward. now that we're together, I understand how precious Sundays are. So yeah. I know what it was like <laughs> for them to now I understand what it was like for them to give up their time for the city on Sundays, which was pretty great. And I would be able to tell the media all of these people are coming together for the city, showing people around on their day off. Something's going on here. You guys need to come down and see. And they did. And they did. And, you know, what's interesting is, like like I said, it was kind of the first time Houston had that national coverage. But 
you're going to places that have been there for decades yeah been yeah around for a long time or exactly. just popping up or but showing the true culture of who they are and what right they are. Yeah, and yeah. the diversity of houston mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that good stuff well very cool um and then you went on your own first I, with yeah first so i left the cvb and i had you know after 10 years i felt like it was time and so i was trying to figure out what what am i as passionate about as I am about the city. Right. And I realized it was restaurants and bars. <laughs> so I would see I would see Bobby Hugel out. You know, he's the owner of Anvil and he of was course. Chris's business partner at the time. And I would just tell him, Bobby, you need me for right. all of these reasons. And I can help you do this and I can help you do this. And I think I finally just wore him down. <laughs> <laughs> it took him about nine months and he's like, fine, fine, <laughs> I'll hire you. And so I was on staff with Clumsy Butcher for three years. And okay. then when Clumsy Butcher sort of dissolved and everybody kind of went their own direction, they said, go out on your own. We'll be your first clients. And it's not a bad way to start Not a, a bad way to start. That's so, so cool. So it made it a little less scary, yeah. I think, yeah. knowing that yeah. I already had people on board. So yeah. It was fun. Well, congrats. Thanks. Um, that's so exciting. And so tell us a little bit about Chris's, you're, I mean, there's so many accomplishments, which I'll just briefly mention. Um, weird. I know, <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's like I was literally highlighting an under, I had a highlighted version of his bio, and yeah. I was like, this looks like a yellow page. Um, James Beard Award winning Best Chef for Southwest in 2014. What mm. does that mean exactly? Um, it's an honor, you know, it, it's sure. one of these things is, as a cook, um, you look at that and like, that's one day where you want to be, you know, and that's like being recognized for being, um, good at what you do at your craft mm-hmm. and changing the culture and, and, uh, just really cooking well and treating people well. And so it's un- all encompassing in terms of, yeah, I, I think, you know, for yeah. me it was, and it was, um, you know, it's a once in a lifetime thing. That's it. Right. You know, <laughs> um, it's your, if you would, the Oscars, people call it the Oscars of the food world. Okay. That's, that's really what it is. It's a, uh, you can win it once and you've done it. I you've guess. Done I don't it. know. It's, you know, it, it, is it, does it make me? No. Um, does it, uh, solidify? Is it an honor? Yes. I mean, it makes me very honored to be, to bring that to the city and where we're at and kind of show, you know, start to show where we're at. And I think like, it's changed, you know, and then Justin, you won as well. Um, okay, for Oxheart. Awesome. For Oxheart. Now, um, in the semifinalists, we had, what, five restaurants on there, and then Anvil and, like, Tracy and Hugo for restaurant tour. And, like, the finalists now, it's, like, Justin – I'm sorry, it's uh, Hugo and Mala. And, you know, the chances – I would love to see one of those guys bring it back to Houston. You know, it's yeah. keep in this area, keep eyes on this area, and pe- see, you know, people start to understand how good Houston is. Right. And that's the thing, and it's it's an amazing city. I mean, I feel like every big chef has this attached to them, like whether you're watching Top Chef or whether you're watching Wonder Chef, they're like James Beard Award winner. I mean, it's like the mega yeah, deal. Yeah, that's the one. Um, top 10 best new chefs in America by Food & Wine – that was also 2014? 2013. 2013. National Eater 38, one of the 38 essential restaurants in America. I mean, does this, like, make you, like, beam with pride? That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, that one was a surprise for us. It was? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about it. Well, we knew we knew it was coming out. Okay. 
And yeah, how do these things like does it, does it just show up? And so for Eater, they had just named a national critic. Okay, and in theory, he is anonymous, traveling around the country. You know, and this year they're even drilling down even further where they're doing the top thirty-eight in the South. The top thirty-eight. Oh wow! In Texas gets its own ranking. They haven't announced it yet. But oh wow! But so this was the first year they did the national national thirty-eight, and I was just it was it was a surprise. It was an honor and a surprise. Oxheart and Underbelly were both on the list That's that year, which so was really cool. cool. Yeah. So that was 2013. Wait. No, that, that was, was okay, then. Top Best New Chef by mm-hmm. Food and Wine was uh, 2013. That was 2015. And Best New Restaurants in the Country by Bon Appetit and Esquire in 2014. It's pretty cool. It's nice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think about it that much because it's like you just got to keep pushing and do better every day. Yeah. And so... Um, that's the goal and like how do you how do you change and, and and not really change but how do you make it better how do you learn more continue as to a be cook better. Yeah. yeah so it's kind of the thing that we've talked about for this summer is that yeah you'll have some exciting uh, summer news uh, it's, it's just a different thought philosophy and how do we learn more as cooks and you know we've been doing you know whole animal and it, it's been great, and we will continue to do that. But it's more of a, an emphasis on change and focusing more into the cultural aspect of this city. And I started looking at our menu lately, and I was like, man, there's a lot of Southern on here. So now we've gone to each cook has a schedule okay, for um, a month. And it's if you're putting – so it's not just me or Gary or Chef de Cuisine or Greg or Sue that puts the – menu together it's the cooks all together and how many do you have on staff at underbelly six six cooks and six then your seven. yeah and then my sous okay and then so we focus each one for a month one will have vietnamese one will have indian one will have chinese one will have uh mexico one will have salvador or however it works out you know and that's all they can put on for that month oh wow so they have to learn about that culture more Instead of just, I think it just gets to the point where you're just like cooking by ingredients instead of cooking for cultures. Right. And so it forces us to be better teachers. It forces us to be better learners. And so in that same aspect, um, you know, we've always had a lot of meat on the menu because we have to, because we're us- utilizing an entire right. animal. So I'm going to slow that down okay. and we're going to focus on the seafood aspect. At, at Underbelly? <laughs> yeah, Underbelly is going to be pretty much seafood for the next cool five months i think because i think so much focus has been on the fact that it's a whole animal restaurant i think there i do think there's a contingent of people that may not go to underbelly as much as maybe they would if they knew that it's not really a meat heavy restaurant you can get beautiful fish you can get beautiful vegetables he buys more local vegetables than probably anyone in the city he's got three farms that are growing specifically for him so it's just a way to maybe shift that perception a little bit. Sure. And summer seems right because it's light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it just, I think it'll, it's an excuse to showcase what they're already doing. Just in a different mm-hmm. way. And again, training your customer to. Yeah. Exactly. To get back. To, and I mean, your portions aren't, it's not like you're getting, you know, I mean. No. It's, it's so well done and so beautifully done that you know whoever hasn't tried it i I don't know if there's a person in houston who hasn't but um but like we all understand like as cooks like there it's like 
we understand pork bellies and pork shoulders and pork loins and pork chops and and briskets and flat meat now it's like i want to expand the horizon not just to say what comes in off our docks but the entire gulf and so that we can bring florida in so that we can start working with some clams and things like that so it's a big shift for us personally because it's not what we've done before generally it's right within our region but I want them to foc- I want to start focusing on the cultures again and more focus into that. So it's like, they can and I want to do that with seafood because we haven't done that. Yeah, we've always had fish on the menu and, and vegetable on the menu, but it's those things were the cooks are really good at that. Yeah, but they get because of the thousand pound carcass that just came in. We have to focus on that. So I want to relax that a little bit and let them focus more into the culture than into. having to utilize something so hard sure does that make sense yeah it totally makes sense so you're backing out the you know you're kind of let it flow a little bit yeah instead of getting a steer every other week and three pigs a week maybe we brought back that you know bring that back a little bit and bring in more cobia and more you know instead of having like you open up the butcher shop door and it's just like you know bus tubs of meat like i would rather see bus tubs of shellfish and oysters and fish and you know it's just a different aspect to learning so when a when a chef writes a menu writes a new Mm -hmm. menu what what where does it go from there i mean do you review it i'm sure or you're not always not always we always talk about it we go we sit down we go through it and it's like but you want a cook to understand something like so if they want to say you know if they want to work on this dish that they had or have read about or seen like then we focus on that and then you know we write the menu at 1 30 and then it's good to go at five o'clock so it's not like a review process the week before. It's the no. day of. It's like real time. Or if they come in and say they want to work on something, then we'll kind of help them work on that for the three days or whatever. Okay. And then it goes on the menu. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's but a lot of trust a, in your staff. Well, it has to be. Right. Because re- that restaurant has been that way since day one. It's never been just me. It's been the crew that's yeah. there. Whether it be front of the house or back of the house, you know. What's your favorite dish at Underbelly? I don't have one. Not one? <laughs> well, I do. I have a lot of them. But, <laughs> I, you know, it, it's uh, we did a whole roasted uh, bee liner, which is like a vermilion snapper, um, with this uh, kind of cilantro and peanut and fish sauce crust. Yum. And it's just, it, it hasn't escaped my mind. Uh-huh. You know, we did it for like a week, and it hasn't left my mind. And I think that's why I want to go back to that seafood aspect. And just keep going. Yeah. That sounds so good. I kind of had a little brain moment. <laughs> um, well, we are going to come back and talk about all of the exciting events you've been a part of. Um, weren't you the one that said the Waffle House cooks were the best They're awesome. chefs ever? It's so fantastic. <laughs> I was watching the Anthony Bourdain, the one where he you know, compares it to like the French Laundry. He's like, this kills the French Laundry. I'm like, Chris said that like 10 years ago. <laughs> They're such good cooks. Like, what makes them so good? Their efficiency and speed and thought process and planning. So right. nothing goes, nothing is written down? Is that no, good? nothing. Okay, so they are literally short order line 100%. Cooks. Yeah, I mean, they look at like... They'll call in the order and they start going from there. But then they, they, they well, so there's somebody that's over on the other side that's setting a plate. Mm-hmm. And depending on where like the ketchup packet is and where the mustard packet is, and if there's like an onion on the plate and where that is on, it's like a clock, if you will. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's even so that's out for them. So they look and that's they know what to. Uh, they call it marking the plate. And so they look and they're like, okay, well that means I need a ham steak this way. I need grits this way, and you know. And so they know. 
Wow. You know, and it's just the planes are just lined up, and so they just they don't really move. They're in one space, and they just look down. And they just roll. How did you discover that? I got asked to do a Waffle House Smackdown. Okay. For Charleston Food and Wine, and so I went and staged at a Waffle House for a day. You did? Yeah. Was and watched it. I was like, "Oh man, you guys are <laughs> amazing!" Like, and and you know, to look at a restaurant and to see that and know that their turn times. So, like, Underbelly's turn time is like two hours. What's a turn time? So, when the customer sits down to when they pay the check and leave. Okay. One fifth is like three and a half hours. <laughs> okay. And then Waffle House is seventeen minutes. Seventeen. From the time minutes. they sit down, order their food, get their food, eat, and pay, seventeen minutes. It's amazing that's incredible they are flying and they just have to be organized you know <laughs> right right and so like did they go to culinary school no did they just learn it and they do it yeah and man you go up against a master blaster what's they, that they they they, <laughs> they get ranked and okay. they go for goals and you know the better they are the, the like the more they get paid and the more options like stock options and things like that they get the waffle house cooks yes yeah okay and so they're the ones that come in they got their red chef coat on and man Legit. watch out really oh, they're so good <laughs> like, they make any cook that i've ever worked with just look slow and like incompetent because they're is- just so organized and they're so thoughtful in the way that they cook it's it's like you know yeah it's what they're cooking too is right. set up to be that way but they're just accurate and like it's pretty impressive to watch 17 minutes that's incredible so it's like three minutes on a ticket time that's crazy from the order you get it three minutes like oh god well we're going to talk more about that three and a half hours at one fifth when we come back <laughs> 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 we'll be back in a sec